When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. McDavid centers. One-timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. on the clock. The kick is up. And the Calgary Stampeders have won the 2018 Labor Day Classic. Rene Paredes wins it with a field goal. 23-20 Calgary over Edmonton. It's a seven-year itch on Labor Day for the Edmonton Eskimos. It is a big, ugly, itchy rash on Labor Day for the Edmonton Eskimos. A horse-shaped rash as once again... The Eskimos come up short on Labor Day, and once again this season, they find a way to lose. They give the game away, or at least certainly opportunities to win the game with three turnovers in the second half, a missed field goal in the second half, and a 23-20 loss to the Calgary Stampeders, who are in the middle of one of the most dominant stretches in the history of the Canadian Football League. I don't think I'm overstating it by putting it that way. Perhaps the reason it's not talked about to the true level of dominance that it has been is because they've blown it in the last two great cups. They are a well-oiled machine that really didn't play great today. The Eskimos played tough on defense, did some good things on offense, but not enough in the end, and they certainly didn't execute well enough in the end of the game. And Calgary boots the field goal with no time out, with no time left to win 23-20. Your thoughts are welcome to 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Hope you've had a great Labor Day weekend. The other game going on, Hamilton leading Toronto 21-14. That is now at halftime. Well, as you wind down your Labor Day weekend, I already know what my first guest is doing Next weekend, he's going to the Labor Day rematch Saturday night, and then he's going to Calgary on Sunday afternoon to call a game between the Oilers rookies and the Flames rookies. It'll be our first hockey broadcast of the fall here on 630 Ched. Please welcome back to the show my buddy Jack Michaels. Hey, Jack. Reed, how are you? And uh, you're right, it's going to be a busy weekend next weekend. I'm looking forward to uh, getting back in the booth and and getting things going. Uh, The rookie games are just uh, kind of an appetite wetter and, and as you know, uh, main camp to start uh, the week after that. So absolutely excited and, and uh, you know, just to kind of piggyback on what you had to say about the ball game today, I mean, just like in hockey when you've got a breakdown early or, or a soft goal or a terrible penalty that results 
uh, in a goal, uh, it can come back to haunt you later in the ball game. I, I really felt like later in the hockey game, I really felt in today's ball game, up 17-14, basically in control. You know, once again, Mike Riley's victimized by a teammate not pulling on a, a catchable ball, a little six-yard hitch. Uh, you know, that's that's a first-down call that's probably good for seven or eight yards, and and you've got an opportunity to, to get a drive going and maybe go up by two scores, and instead it's right through his hands, a pick, and a, a few minutes later the game's tied. And really, that for me was where Edmonton started to lose its grip on the on the ball game. Well, uh, you know, Jack, like I mean, catchable ball, you've got to have that. Yeah, it was a high throw too. I didn't like the throw from Mike, but I, I think uh, I, I think Reed, that's a professional catch. If you're a professional football player, you're making that catch. Well, could have been caught, could have been thrown better. I really think Mike sailed a couple balls in the second half, but that's I mean, there were a lot there were a lot of things that didn't go right in the second half, and. As as most people listening have, we, we've watched sports our entire life. And, you know, fans, I think all, you know, the, the blowouts are fun, right? Or if your team gets thumped, those those are the ones that, that hurt the most or, or make you the happiest if you're on the right side. But most games aren't blowouts. And sometimes even games that might not appear close at the end were close for a while. But there were moments you can look back on and say, "Oh, that, that, and that," and that, and that's the frustrating thing about this year's Eskimos team, Jack, and I think even last year's Oilers teams is when there were moments to seize a game or maybe keep it under control. Uh, they weren't the team making the play. Now the Eskimos still obviously have, to, you know, think some things to figure out here. Time to maybe try to get a grip on it a little bit but you know you mentioned that turnover two other turnovers on the first plays of drives too I mean even if those drives lead to punts you you take off more time and and maybe you, you pin Calgary deep but that that's the frustrating thing for me about the Eskimos Jack is is they're a bit of a feast or famine team not so much today they were a little more patient and level-headed today but opportunities maybe to pull away when you got Bo Levi on the bench, maybe to drive down for another field goal, and you're sitting there not, not scoring any points in the second half until, until late in the game. Well, the worst thing is, is, and you touched on it, is Calgary didn't even play that well today. And, that, I mean, that's just a game you got to have. You catch Calgary on a bit of an off day, Bo Levi gets banged up, and, uh, and you really waste an opportunity to, to go ahead and, and break this whatever you want to call it, a bit of a jinx. I mean, it, it reminds me of uh, in the 80s, the Bills couldn't beat the Dolphins, the, the Browns couldn't beat, couldn't win in Pittsburgh. And, you know, at the end of those runs, teams found a way, you know, those teams started to find ways to lose, even though they outplayed the other team for large stretches. And, and Edmonton did that today. And I, I quite frankly, you know, feel like they've done that in a couple other ball games. I mean, to me, you know, I mean, Edmonton's got to be thinking: How are we not nine and two or eight and three instead of, yeah. you know, six and five and 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 seeing a home playoff game? You know, the the outlook for that, which which I really thought was going to be a lock, is all of a sudden starting to slip from its grasp. So they need to find a way and and uh, as you mentioned, get rid of some of the stretches that have cost them these games. Because again, um, I feel like they could be easily in the division lead had they not let a few plays get away from them in each of the last you know three weeks really well look and, and every game takes on its own personality the the thing that i find a little concerning is and i'm, and I'm going to play the post game interview later in the show because it, it's worth listening to uh if people didn't hear it or or maybe to to catch some of the details again 
Dave Dickinson ain't happy, Jack. I mean, the Calgary coach, um, <laughs> I mean, if I could sum up his postgame uh, interview in, in a few words, I, I think he thinks they played like crap today. Well, and I think he's right. I mean, I, that's why if you're an Edmonton fan, you've got to be extremely frustrated because, you know, you caught Calgary on a, on a C-plus if you really want to be generous, and I'm sure Dave's thinking it's more like a C-minus or a D-plus. And, you know, you, you, you don't come away with a win in that ball game. So, I mean, the, the good thing is you've got a few weeks to sort it out. Um, the tough thing – and and I think what's happened to Calgary is they've, you know, because of Edmonton's stumbles, they've built up such a large lead over the rest of the league that they find themselves treading water a little bit. I mean, you can't tell me for a moment that the disappointments of years past aren't really what's on a lot of those guys. I mean – Reed, if you're in the Stampeders locker room right now, you're thinking, you know, when when do the playoffs start? Like, right. we've wrapped this thing up. We know that we're not going to be judged on what we do in September. It's it's going to be what we're what, what whether we can you know walk away with this from a Grey Cup because otherwise, and what you're saying and what you're saying has some merit, but really what you start looking at with this Calgary club if they don't get it done in one of the next two years. Really, they're the Atlanta Braves of the 1990s. I mean, they've just squandered five and six and seven years of dominance, and they got a grand total of one great cup to show for it, if memory serves. Yeah, Jack Michaels joining us on Inside Sports tonight at 614. Eskimos lose 23-20 in Calgary. Rene Paredes kicks a field goal with no time left on the clock to lift the Stamps to victory. And uh, the other game, the second half, just getting underway. Hamilton up. 21-14 on Toronto. The uh, third quarter just started with the kickoff. Jack, I'll hit on a couple. Of, well, I'll stick with the football theme first. Uh, Cleveland Browns, your team, the uh, uh, best helmets in pro football history. And you know I'm being sarcastic. Though I wish the Steelers would have would balance theirs out and put something on the other side. Uh, over under on wins for the Browns this season. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to be zero again. I, I think the Browns. <laughs> I think the Browns have enough talent on both sides of the ball to reasonably expect five or six wins this year. I really do. Uh, I think that Cincinnati and Baltimore are both going to be down. Right. Uh, so they might get a few more wins inside the division. And then, you know, obviously you're still looking at a last-place schedule. So, uh, you know, I, I think the Browns, um, I think a start for Hugh Jackson and a, and a record that would allow him to keep his job would probably be something along the lines of 6-10. and 10. Uh, I, I like the the addition of a, a you know a, a possession receiver like a Jarvis Landry to go along with with the long bomb threat and, and Josh Gordon, assuming he can stay on the field. I think Terod Teller gives him some some legs in the backfield. In other words, some escapability. Uh, I think he's a solid quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback, but I think Buffalo kind of started to torpedo its season when they gave up on Taylor. And the reason I say that, Reed, is he was a popular figure inside the locker room, too. So I, I think that'll be good in, in a Cleveland locker room that desperately needs guys who know how to win ball games. And then, you know, on, on defense, they've, they've, added some, they've added some guys. And with Miles Garrett healthy, I think they'll have a decent enough pass rush. Uh, look, they're not, they're not competing for a playoff spot this year, but I think they'll at least uh, improve on what they've done over the last two years, which is historically bad. I mean, people want to talk about, well, Tampa Bay 
lost their first 26, but then they won their next two. I mean, the Browns are 1-31 in the last two years. No one's been worse than that. Jack, we mentioned Oilers rookie camp. You're calling a game with Bob uh, Sunday in Calgary. We're going to sign on 1.30 with a half-hour pregame show. Play-by-play will start at 2. Uh, rookie camp, I, I mean, I think for, uh, you know, if, if, if people are just looking at the headlines, you certainly got the last two first overall picks, or pardon me, first-round picks, Evan Bouchard and Kyler Yamamoto, seeing how they're going to shape up. Uh, give me a couple storylines for Oilers rookie camp, Jack. Well, I mean, it, it probably begins and ends there. I mean, I, I think those are guys that, you know, are not only necessarily going to be expected to shine in the rookie camp and in those rookie games. There's a there's a home-and-home, home, if you will, with Calgary, with the second of those hockey games being, uh, you know, being played in, in Red Deer. And, of course, the Nate McEwen uh, matchup with the All-Stars, where, where, of course, that team from, from Grant McEwen and Nate got a tremendous goaltending performance last year and actually won that game. So, you know, that'll be that'll be interesting to see, you know, how that unfolds at Rogers place. But really, uh, the the nice thing about the rookie games this year is in a very real sense, they are giving you the first opportunity to look at guys that are going to be competing for a roster spot. And you can you can actually say that. And and by that I mean competing. It's not like Connor McDavid or Taylor Hall or Jordan Eberle appearing in the rookie games when you knew they were going to make the squad. I mean, these are two guys whose case to be made for starting the season with the Edmonton Oilers at the NHL level instead of, you know, in the American League or going back to junior in in Bouchard's case, you know, it starts with the rookie games. I mean, they're, what you're looking for is, you know, quasi-domination at that level, like proving, okay, we've, we've conquered this, we can handle you know, the 18, 19, 20-year-old players we're going to see in these type of games, and then hopefully build on that from an Oilers standpoint, because trust me, they want both these guys to compete for jobs. You want to have difficult decisions before you board that plane to Germany. I think most NHL coaches will tell you if they don't have a sleepless night or two before final cuts, then in some respects, training camp can be a disappointment, because you want that competition. And so... Really, next weekend is, is, is the first step for Bouchard and, and Yamamoto if they're going to make this hockey club. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that those two have a shot, you know, to make the team because, you know, the, the age-old wisdom is they're not ready. Let them ripen in the minor leagues in Yamamoto's case or, or let them get another year of, of domination in the Ontario Hockey League in Evan Bouchard's case. But Reed. The players aren't thinking that, and I don't think the brass is either. They want if you can make the team, then make the team. And so I think each of those two players are conceding nothing, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. For Yamamoto, the biggest thing, Reed, that separated him from an NHL roster spotted on a full-time basis last year uh, was finish around the net. I'm sure you can think of a handful of chances where if he buries and has – three or four goals he might be you know on the nhl roster right now and so uh they're going to want to see that finish around the net and it starts next weekend jack always love having you on the show haven't seen you in person for a while look forward to catching up this week man trust me enjoying me from a distance is always (laughs) greater than seeing me in person there's a big drop off especially (laughs) if you build up any kind of expectations and then you meet me in person, you're bound to leave disappointed. So I actually prefer the distance, Reed. And then, you know, I'll look, I'll, I'll, 
I'll definitely see the disappointment in your face, but at least now I've braced you for it. <laughs> always a pleasure to have Jack Michaels on the show, the always modest Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice for the Oilers on 630 Chet on the Oilers Radio Network. I got some really good texts coming in. I'll catch up uh, with some of those at 630-630. Had a question about the Eskimos' last kick return for a touchdown, either on a kickoff or a punt. I think I found it. I'll get to that when we get back. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. So the Eskimos lose 23-20 to the Calgary Stampeders. The all-time Labor Day series now tied. 29 wins apiece with one tie. You can text 630-630. Commonwealth Greg says, Hey, Reed, the Eskimos just can't make that big stop when they need it on defense late in the game to stop the field goal. Same thing year after year. They need more personnel changes. Maybe they can bring Kenny Ladler back from the Redskins. Uh... This texter says, uh, from Camrose, says, why is Labor Day always in Calgary? Well, I, I hate when people tell me that's just the way it is, but that, that, that's, why, that's just the, the, the tradition. It's, the, you know, when they make the CFL schedule, they always put Labor Day weekend, Sunday, Winnipeg at Saskatchewan, Edmonton at Calgary, and Toronto at Hamilton, with very few exceptions over the years. Uh, just part of the tradition, fans around the country know that's when and where the game is going to be, so they've stuck with that for a long time. Okay, this texter says, when's the last time the Eskimos returned a kickoff or a punt return for a TD? Pretty sure, I haven't found a more recent one, and I, I quickly texted Dave Campbell as well. August 28th, 2015, over three years ago, Kendall, Kendall Lawrence, in the fourth quarter, took a punt back 64 yards for a touchdown against Toronto, uh, giving the Eskimos a 23-15 lead at the time in a game they would win 38-15. So, uh, well, we're talking basically three seasons. So that's 54 games, maybe plus one or two, if you want to add in some playoff games. And James says, Reed, I hope you replay... Morley's post-game interview with Riley. That's the most disheartened I've heard Mike in a post-game interview in five years. That is from James. I will play the Mike Riley interview when we get back. Yes, he uh, was not in a very positive frame of mind. And Jamie Thomas will join us out of Winnipeg for some CFL observations. And can the Jets... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do what the Oilers couldn't do last year and handle high expectations. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chad Inside Sports. Now six and a half minutes left in the third quarter. Toronto and Hamilton tied at 21. Another close game on Labor Day. The earlier one was close but disappointing for Eskimos fans. Calgary a field goal with no time on the clock. 23-20. The Stamps win on Labor Day for the seventh consecutive year. 
couple of fans texting in wanting to hear the uh, Mike Riley post game. Your quarterback not as talkative as usual. There's opportunities all over the field for all four quarters, offense, defense, special teams. Took advantage of some of them, didn't take advantage of the other ones. You know, turned the ball over three times offensively. Hard to win a football game like that. Uh, probably one of the toughest losses that you've had on this football team uh, since you've been here. Uh, this one, this one's probably going to sting a little bit more than others, just the way it went down and, and how you guys played. There's no doubt. I mean, you're uh, you're close enough to uh, you're close enough to win it. Uh, talk about bouncing back and being able to move forward and going back to work later this week for the game on Saturday. Yeah, we've got time to sit here and pout about it. we got a game on Saturday, so get on the bus, go home, and get to work and figure out how to make sure we don't make the mistakes that we made tonight. You know, we don't clear that up. It's going to be the same result, so, you know, that's our job is to figure it out. You can play with this team. There's no question you can, but uh, you said opportunities all over the field and was talked about all week where if you, you got a chance to put a team like the Stampeders on the ropes and, and you, you got to find a way to finish them, right? And I guess <laughs> I, I, I guess if you had the easy answer, you, you could tell me. But the lack of finish in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, I guess how do you – I guess you keep going back to the lab and keep addressing it. But uh, it, it, how do you get to the point where you just don't let it get frustrating to the point of that it, it immobilizes you? I mean, that's what we get paid to do. We get paid to figure it out, you know, and we haven't so far. So, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't have the answer to that, you know, but we got to find it, and and that's, you know, hopefully what the next couple of days will be about. Riley today, 19 for 28 for 250 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He carried the ball six times for 40 yards, had a 17-yard run for his longest of the game. The Eskimos dropped to 6-5. and five. They've lost three of their last four in those three losses. In the second half in BC, they were outscored 21-3. In the second half in Hamilton, they were outscored 15-0. And in the second half today, they were outscored 10-3. Quickly to the phone line here, we have John standing by. John, I got a guest standing by, so but I'll give you about a minute here. That's no problem, Rena. I, I got to tell you, um, as far as my dream of the Eskimos being in in the Grey Cup, it's a lot better today after that game because I thought that overall the defense played a lot better. It was nice to see they moved Nick Gusher into the defensive line. It's nice to have Conor back. I thought overall they were really very good. And then on special teams, I thought our punt coverage and our kickoff coverage was terrific. You know, big improvement there. Uh, if we didn't have the talent on offense, Reed, I'd be worried. But I just have a lot of confidence that they will get the play calling and the offense organized. I mean, with all of the, the talented people, that that's fixable. And so I just feel a lot better. And I, I'm sorry that Mike Riley's sounded so down but i don't think that's a bad thing i mean they they just have to get a little bit better on their execution and i think we'll be okay and i think we can play with calgary and saskatchewan and it's in our own hands now so i'm good with that uh what was your impression overall reed all right uh, thanks for the call john well uh, i mean in in summary i thought the d played tough the offense uh squandered three drives with turnovers in the uh, in the second half, uh, I mean I don't know. I sure that did were some things good. In the end, you didn't win, and they're they're letting too many games 
it, it is now a pattern with the Eskimos. Too many games have slipped away because of a failure to execute in the fourth quarter and or uh, too many mistakes in the fourth quarter. And uh, that's discouraging. Jamie Thomas checking in, a long overdue appearance on Inside Sports. Uh, Jamie, you have covered a little bit of everything in your uh, in your long and storied broadcasting career, including uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who uh, look like they're in a pretty good fight today with the Argos. Yeah, it's I, it's uh, incredible, really, what's going on with the Argonauts and uh, Mikhail Zappel-Thompson. The, the great story that he has turned out to be in, uh, and I think that they're doing a wonderful job of uh, going back and forth with the uh, Toronto Argonauts today. It's, it's, it's funny how these games turn out, and I've been to many games at Tim Hortons, you know, the now Labor Day Classics at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, it doesn't matter what the standings are. They always seem to be competitive football games, so it's good to see the Argos putting up a fight uh, with a different type of quarterback than was expected in the earlier part of the year. And then the Ticats uh, just, you know, like everybody else in the Canadian Football League outside of Calgary, it just seems like all the teams can't get their consistent act together week after week, and it's really, uh, it's really rearing its ugly head. Uh, at this point, because Calgary seems to be the only one to find a way to win when, when everything isn't going well. So far. But this seems to be a story that repeats itself year after year in the Canadian Football League in the regular season. Toronto just got a touchdown to go up 28-21, and then Hamilton got the jump in this game, so Toronto's done a good yeah. job fighting back. And Jamie... And, and that, you know, I I was actually texting back and forth with uh, with a fellow media member our, our power rankings in the CFL, which mm-hmm. you know are ultimately meaningless, but they're fun to talk about. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Calgary's number one. I, I think most people would have Saskatchewan number two at this point, given what they've yeah. done since Caleros came back. Though Edmonton did beat them. Edmonton played, I mean, I, you know, we're criticizing the Eskimos today. They actually played a pretty good game against the Riders, but I, I still think you'd have to say Saskatchewan has nosed ahead for number two. After yeah. that, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think BC, Montreal, and Toronto are, are a little weaker than spots yeah. two through five, though we'll see what Toronto does today. But I, but we've seen Ottawa look good and then have a stinker. We've seen the Eskimos look good and then not be able to finish games. We've seen Winnipeg look good. And even yesterday, that game was there for Winnipeg to take in the fourth quarter. They couldn't take yeah. it. But it, it's it's such a such a bundle of, of mediocrity, I think, uh, after Calgary. Yeah, yeah and that's... Um, the- it, it, it just happens year after year, and then somehow Calgary gets. They should be, and uh, we need to the failures in the Grey Cup. Hey, Jamie, you we still there? Patrick, uh, check the line there with uh, with Jamie. Want to get to some more CFL thoughts from him and a little bit on the Winnipeg Jets as well. He's now working for Jets TV. Uh, Jeremy from Glendon. One of my favorites says, Hey, Reed, went to the game today. Usually most people say they'd rather lose a blowout than a heartbreaker, but it was nice to have a close one in Calgary for once. Defensively, the second and long seemed to kill us. Calgary did what Hamilton did and burned us with 10-yard out patterns while our DBs played five yards off. Obviously, the second halves are concerning. Is the problem with players not trying or coaches not making adjustments? The way things are going now, we might be seeing a lighter shade of green at the Grey Cup in November. And uh, Jeremy adds, only four more hours back to the big pierogi tonight. P.S. Hugh O'Neill for MOP. Well, Hugh O'Neill was great today. Two punts inside the five, including one that I mean, you don't spot the ball inside the one in the CFL, but it went out at about the the six inch line. Uh, the second halves, uh, you know what? I I think you talk about second half adjustments. I, I think in BC 
definitely the Eskimos got out adjusted. Um, I, I think that was that was an issue in Vancouver, somewhat in Hamilton. I, I didn't see coaching as a problem today. Uh, I mean, the the play to Duke Williams that's a well designed play. You swing it out to him, he gets the yak, and, and then he fumbles the ball. I mean, that's that's not coaching deficiency. You can always criticize play calls when they don't work, but I you know they weren't relying too much on the deep ball today. They were trying to use clock. Um, so you know, I, I think it just it was it was execution today. It was two defenses playing very well. As we uh, as we bring Jamie back in, Jamie, can you can we got you better now? Yeah, sure. Listen, I got, it's a certain location I have to find in every new house I live in Winnipeg. So okay. Far. So the uh, <laughs> the front foyer is the, the ultimate place right now in our new house here in Winnipeg. So I I, I think what you had asked me, I, I think it has to be concerning for the Eskimos because as you mentioned, they've hung in there, they've been in games and not close the deal. And today was a great example of the opportunity being there. The defense does what they're supposed to do, get the ball back, uh, forcing Calgary into four turnovers today, and then the Eskimos just not doing anything with it. So I, I could see why Mike Riley probably was fuming and didn't want, wasn't as talkative as he normally is after a game, and, and for good reason. I think he's probably seeding on the inside why they didn't take advantage of those opportunities because Calgary's not going to turn the ball over like that very often. So I think the defense did a great job today. Uh, and they, they should be happy with their performance, even though Calgary got the last uh, second field goal. So overall, uh, the Eskimos are right there from the games I've watched this year, and I've watched the majority of them, and, and I think they can push themselves into that upper echelon of the Canadian Football League if they just execute when it's matter, when it's time to do so. And I mean, it's easy to say that, but they're there, and they're, they're a good enough football team to be hanging with Calgary. It's just that it has to get done, and they have to get these uh, not squander so many opportunities. All right, Jamie, let's transition to your uh, your day job, uh, <laughs> working for Jets TV. Uh, and, of course, uh, if you're if people are sitting there thinking, Jamie Thomas, why do I know this guy? Well, he used to be on A-Channel uh, right here in Edmonton and, of course, many years on Sportsnet nationally as well. Um, okay, so here here's how I'm going to tie, tie our two cities together. Uh, the sure. Oilers have a pretty good season into yep. the spring of 2017. And a year ago, people are thinking, hey, that Oilers team might get over the hump. Uh, They start poorly. Uh, I think the coaching staff really cracked down on some players early. Uh, They didn't play with a lot of joy. They didn't handle a lot of the expectations. And uh, and they stunk for most of the year. Mm -hmm. Now it's the Winnipeg Jets. And I guess there's a lot of expectations on the Leafs, but let's stick with the, the West here. Now it's the Winnipeg Jets, who were really good who were close, couldn't quite get over the hump, and now you got the hockey news and other publications saying, here's a team that's going to go to the third or fourth round or even win the Stanley Cup. So is that is is, is the handling expectation uh, storyline similar for the Jets, or am, I, or am I working too hard to make a connection here? No, I, I, I think you're right. This is this is uncharted territory for a lot of guys here, considering that you know they've only made the playoffs twice in seven years since the Jets returned back to, to Winnipeg. And uh, th- this all ties into guys following up big big years. And I, I, that starts in net. And, you know, thankfully, uh, the Oilers fans, I'm sure, will remember Connor Hellebuck because he had a heck of a year against them uh, in, in the three meetings this year. And, you know, particularly that game back in October when the, the Jets started out 0-2 and uh, Steve Mason had a couple of rough starts. And then all of a sudden, Connor Hellebuck came in net and Edmonton, the Jets in that game, and Hellebuck doesn't let go of the net, the number one job. So, it is integral that he has asked a, a year, again, something close to it, for the Jets to be where they want to be because we're, I don't think anybody's kidding themselves. The Central Division 
is as competitive as it gets. Nashville's going to be right there. Chicago, if Corey Crawford gets back in time, are going to be good. St. Louis has improved themselves. I'm not anywhere near thinking that Dallas can do anything this year or or Colorado enough to, to cause any damage. But there's enough strength in the top four teams in the division and Minnesota. Let's not leave them out. Top five uh, to, to cause problems for the Jets. So Halibut's going to be key. Also, the distraction this year. Blake Wheeler, if anything doesn't get done before training camp starts or before the season starts, is going to go into his final year of his contract, and that's going to be a constant question throughout the year. He has a season career high 91 points last year, was brilliant throughout the year, um, really took on another role, uh, raised his game another level as well. And so, what, how does he handle that? And then Patrick Wine is going to be answering questions all this year. He's coming off the final year of his, you know, his entry level contract is going to be ending after the season too. So there'll be lots of questions about his next contract. So there's. A lot of things. Kyle Connor's got to follow up on 31 goals in his rookie season in the National Hockey League. Uh, how do they, you know, rem- fill in the slot of Toby Enstrom on the back end? So there's a lot of questions. And in, in the number one, you asked how do they handle it now that they're in a position of strength uh, in the Western Conference and the National Hockey League is upon as a favorite because you're not sneaking up on anybody this year. Now everybody knows what you're about, and let's see if they can do it. And that's going to be uh, very interesting to see in the first month of the season. Yeah, uh, and I mean, and, and you know, I've been, I did a couple segments on predictions last week, and, and look, you know, mm-hmm. in our jobs, people always ask you, and I, I'll gladly make predictions because it's fun, and if you're right, yeah. then you, you remember, but, you know, when it comes to the, the team sports, it's so easy to remember what you saw most recently. Right, but some, mm-hmm. sometimes there are there are dramatic changes. I mean, Colorado improved by twenty one wins. Nobody picked that. Yeah. Vegas, no, Vegas won over fifty games, made the Stanley Cup final. So crazy things uh, do happen all the time. But it would be cool to see. Uh, you know, the Jets good. I think the Flames are going to be good. I do think the Oilers can get back into the playoffs, though I don't though I don't see them as a as a cup contender. And yeah. Vancouver's interesting to me. Um, I'm not as quick to write off Vancouver as some other people because I think uh, Green did a good job and sometimes taking two guys out of the mix that have been there for a while it might loosen it up for some other I'm not saying Vancouver is going to be um, like a dangerous cup contending team but I don't know if they'll I don't know if they'll be a patsy I'll put it that way no and I think Bill Weather saw them enough last year and the games that play the, the Jets played against Vancouver they were competitive hockey games so uh, I, I agree with you with Vancouver. I, I don't think they're they're not going to be a competitive, you know, contender. And I don't think you're saying that at all. But I really do appreciate what Vancouver has done. I think getting the Sedins out of the dressing room as great as they are. Now they're gone. Now you can move on to the next guys and, and, and the next group of players. You know, Elias Patterson is going to be there this year, and that's an exciting thing for the organization. they got some good names growing up. I mean, it's, they, they drafted well this past June uh, in Dallas. So, uh, you know, they're not going to be the best Canadian team, no doubt, but they're going to be in that middle grouping. Uh, but I think we are in for a much better season for the Canadian teams in the National Hockey League. And I'm talking outside of Winnipeg, and I'm talking outside of Toronto. I think Calgary and Edmonton are going to be, it's not going to be a disaster either for either team this year. Uh, Vancouver's on his way up, and I can't speak for Montreal. Montreal, I think, has accepted their, their rebuilding, and I can't speak for Ottawa because that's, that's, that's just ugly. Ugly, right. ugly, ugly. I don't think it's going to get any better, especially uh, when and if Eric Carlson leaves town. Jamie, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. You're always incredibly generous with your time. I know we'll do this a few times in the months to come, man. Uh, and thanks, yeah. for, uh, thanks for taking time on your Labor Day, too, man. It's great to talk to you. Yeah. 
I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, Reed, and I apologize for my phone as usual. No. This, is like, you know, this goes way back, my phone struggles. So. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That is Jamie Thomas from uh, Jets TV. Love having Jamie on the show. Uh, very informed guy and uh, always good perspective on sports. Uh, obviously covers the NHL, uh, big CFL guy. Used to do a Hamilton uh, Tiger Cats-centric show in uh, Hamilton, so very plugged into the Canadian Football League as well. Well, it's 6.51. The Eskimos uh, lose it 23-20. To the Calgary Stampeders, uh, Jay says, I've been saying this since Game 3, the Eskimos are not Grey Cup material. Pains me to say this as I bought six Grey Cup tickets. We'll uh, get to a couple other text messages when we get back. O'Neill will try to pin the Stampeders deep. There's the snap, kick is up, and let's see, it'll bounce at the five and oh, oh my goodness that rolled out at the half yard line well one of the best plays of the game for the Eskimos Hugh O'Neill with a perfect coffin corner punt the Eskimos would stop Calgary get the ball back in good field position and promptly fumble one of three turnovers in the second half Calgary wins it right at the end 23 20. This texture says, Reed, I've been guilty of dumping on the Eskimos lately. No more. Look what beating Calgary at home did for Saskatchewan. Saturday's game is very important. And Durkin Cochran says, Hi, Reed, there must be another Gizmo Williams out there. As a fan of the game and an Eskimos fan, I miss the excitement of return touchdowns and the results. The home game will be different if the Eskimos can get over this loss. That's from Dirk. Well, there aren't a lot of Gizmos out there, but... Um, you know, Jamil Smith has been uh, hurt a lot this season, and uh, Jordan Robinson in on the return game uh, today and most of this year. Uh, they just haven't had guys who have been able to break away. And, I mean, the touchdowns are great, but it'd be nice to get a 15, 20-yard return after a while. That's a little demoralizing to the punt team. Jordan Robinson did bring a punt back in the preseason, but as I mentioned, the last regular season kick return touchdown, Kendile Lawrence, back in August of 2015. Heck, Crichton winner Ed Ilnicki in studio coming up. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.